Hello and welcome to Monster Seeking Meeple. Uh, my name is Colton and today with me are Tyler and Josh. And today we'll be discussing It Evil Below. It's based off of It Chapter One of the new movie series that have been launched. But before we get into that, I did want to discuss just some of our general thoughts on It in general, whether any of us have read the books, seen the movies, seen the TV limited series. Um, I know for me personally, um, I haven't read any of the books and I heard the limited TV series was not great, but I did see both It Chapter One and Two. I did really enjoy It Chapter One. Not as big of a fan as It Chapter Two, but you know, I still enjoyed the series as a whole enough to you know want to recommend it to other people. In general, what were your guys' kind of experience with the It series? Yeah, well, I mean, I would be lying if I said that I read the book. That is a huge one. But I definitely watched the movies that came out. Uh, they were really hyped. I didn't watch the miniseries to its fullest extent. I only t watched one or two episodes. But yeah, I, I wasn't fully impressed. The clown and Pennywise are so iconic in their representation of, you know, fear and obviously really scary in themselves. So... I was instantly drawn to them and I remember watching the first movie and just thinking how well done it was their interpretation of Pennywise which they use his face and artwork in this game and it definitely stuck with me. I loved watching the kids gather together to fight him, how they each struggled with their own inner workings with Pennywise. The second chapter I wasn't as big of a fan of. It definitely did not feel like it was truly replicating the first one in its own way it tried to do something totally new and different and i wasn't the biggest fan of that so um i also have not read the book so <laughs> i guess that's three strikes out for us um <laughs> but i have seen the miniseries um and i have seen both of the films the miniseries you know it was made i think in the 90s so it's it's very dated at this point but i think in its time it was a good horror show i mean it's and now you'd look back at it and probably laugh the whole way but i remember watching it as a kid and being terrified especially of tim curry's pennywise he just like it's very different from oh skarsgård what's his first name bill, bill skarsgård it's very different yeah. from bill skarsgård's interpretation but they're both scary in their own ways i felt that the two movies really felt more engaging the TV show always had, um, I guess, spoiler alert, there's a character who dies halfway through the story. In the TV show, it felt like that character was never developed at all. But in the movies, I felt like they did a much better job of making that character feel important. So when that character dies, you actually care. <laughs> so I I definitely liked the movies. I even liked the second one, although everyone I've talked to did not like the second one. So <laughs> I might be by myself with that opinion. But I, I think that definitely this board game is focused on the two movie uh, interpretations of the story as opposed to the book or the television series. Yeah, it's about the kids kind of getting together to fight Pennywise, which is pretty much the entire basis of the first movie. In the first movie, the girl goes missing, and that becomes a big plot device, and that doesn't really come into play in the board game. It's more just about Pennywise terrorizing the town. Um, when a Pennywise appears, it's said that not only does he cause you know, fear to children and to abduct them and consume them but he also causes an increase in like hate crimes and overall um, nastiness in 
where he's arisen, which is in Derry, Maine, in this case. So you're essentially going around town and saving people, which in theory would what the kids are trying to accomplish by defeating Pennywise in the first movie. Another um, big element of the games is the totems of power that each kid has and and brings into the second movie Mm -hmm. to try to banish it. As far as I remember, that's not a part of the television series. They kind of tell that story in a different way. And I don't know whether that's an element of the book or not, but I know that was a very large element of the second film. So that's another uh, big connection between the board game and the film. Gotcha. I I didn't even think of that, (laughs) of the totems actually being a part of this board game and then actually being a a bigger part of the second movie. That didn't even cross my mind. Uh, So with that, let's just go ahead and get into the game now. Uh, You know, again, it is It Evil Below, designed by Sean Fletcher, published by the OP. Um, Taking a look at their publishing games, for the most part, they do a lot of movie tie-in games, especially for Monopoly versions and puzzles. But they happen to, you know, release this It-related board game. Currently has a 7.4 out of 10 of 22 reviews on BoardGameGeek. It can go up to 2 to 7 players. Typically lasts 45 to 60 minutes. Um, and as we kind of discussed, it's more focused on the first movie of the recent releases of the It chapters, but it definitely touches on the second chapter there a little bit. In terms of how this game plays overall, you know, it is just a dice rolling game with a little bit of management on movement and card collection. Uh, so you roll dice, you get actions depending on those results. They can either give you actions to heal, it can be used to pick up items, it can be used to take items to fight Pennywise, but they also have a negative effect with some of the sides of the dice that can increase can increase Pennywise's strength. And, you know, overall, inherently, Pennywise is, is not really doing any actions by himself. It's more so based off of the dice that you're rolling. So he doesn't, you know, technically get his own turn. You're more taking turns along with him based off of your dice rolling there. You know, for each individual that's playing, you are going to pick a character of the Losers Club. Uh, They all have their own special abilities. Uh, Some are a little more similar to others. Um, And the game itself is just meant to move around the map, collect these items, totems, so to speak, and try to defeat Pennywise in multiple battles and level up or increase the overall influence of the Losers Club on the map itself and try to win the game that way. But that being said, uh, what kind of experience did you guys have with this game and what were your thoughts overall? Well, I kind of wanted to start by talking about the uh, aesthetic of the game. I think one thing that helps make a game enjoyable is the art style and the way that it looks because you're staring at this thing for however long. And so a board game that doesn't have an appealing art style is going to be less fun to play. The With this game, they very clearly drew images straight from the movie uh, to design <laughs> the character tiles and the board and Pennywise. But they did kind of overlay these images with kind of like a comic book style layer over top of the images. So there, it's not just a straight up picture. It's kind of got a comic-y look to it. But I feel like the art design of the movies was so strong that it really translates well to the board game that even though they just kind of pulled these images from the movies, the board game looks really nice. The color scheme is really good and strong and very appealing. Not to mention the box itself is actually kind of genius. It's got this like balloon-shaped red film that shows inside the box and it shows the 
guide to the game, which has Pennywise's face on it. So you can see into the box and through this red film and see Pennywise. So visually, it's very strong. Definitely the aesthetics of the game uh, ring true to the movie by taking artwork and the pictures of the actors to put on the Losers Club, little placards. One thing I'll say, though, is as much as Pennywise was the iconic star of the film, so to speak. They didn't really get to do huge justice to Pennywise as far as an art style in the actual components of the game. Pennywise is only visible on the attack cards that he gets to play and used against the Losers Club, and all it is is just a picture of him. I wish they would have done a little more with that, but the town itself is vibrant, colorful, distinguished, and really pulls you in and is colorful enough to keep your attention, I would agree. Yeah, I mean, I would aesthetically touch back on that. It it looks like they're pictures straight from the movie, but they definitely are stylized with a bit of that car- cartoony, that comic book feeling aesthetic, and it does make it look very pretty. Uh, color-wise, <laughs> I would say as a colorblind man, when there's a lot of color coding going on with this game in terms of specific areas being tied to a color, it did get a little confusing <laughs> sometimes, but that... I don't know. Maybe that's just my colorblindness affecting that. <laughs> no, I would agree. I, I think they could have done a better effort to distinguish the colors. Me not being in, having that issue, I can see even just objectively that, that the colors were too similar. And so Cole was constantly asking me which dice was which <laughs> color, and that can make it frustrating. I <laughs> totally agree. I had, to- had forgotten about that, but I'm not colorblind either, but they're I frequently had to really look at a couple of the colors uh, because the colors are an important part of the way you play the game. There were, it was kind of hard to distinguish a couple of the colors from each other, which, you know, does slow down the game. There's a million colors. I don't know why you had to pick ones that look exactly (laughs) the same. (laughs) It wasn't even like they picked ones of the rainbow. They picked very specific chosen shades of blue for some of them green but they were all like doll versions of those colors not like vibrant colors so that's where it also got a little confusing (laughs) but i I do want to touch a little bit more on the gameplay and then we can kind of dig into that a little further at its base you know you are rolling those dice to get your actions it also can potentially empower pennywise his abilities or even give him the option to attack you but essentially what you're doing is you're trying to collect these totems and cards and put them into a separate deck but pennywise can also get his own attack cards thrown into that deck And essentially what will happen is when you try to attack Pennywise, you're just going to be revealing one card at a time, trying to reveal these totems to achieve little mini goals. And that's how you are awarded those loser club points to eventually win the game. Um, But if you reveal one of those attack cards, you know, all of those cards you revealed prior to that, they do get removed and Pennywise gets uh, the ability to attack you directly and, you know, affect your health. Um, or even spread that health out through anybody else sharing the space with you. Just kind of getting back into the gameplay, moving across the board, the actions you take, and Pennywise attacks. You know, how did you guys feel about that overall, or did you have any issues with that? So we'll get out the way first that the game relies a lot on luck, and the term RNG is heavily dictated in this game to determine what you can, can't do, and what affects you. I will say for people who aren't really a fan of these American style games where a lot of chance is bent upon your victory, then they probably won't like this. The game has a push your luck element with the cards when you have to attack Pennywise. 
meaning that you're revealing your cards that you've collected and added to this deck. And right, if you reveal a Pennywise attack card, it's kind of like blackjack. You've you've busted or something like that. You've busted. So that's kind of invalidating. And I can see why people may not like that. I personally didn't have really an issue with it, but that's only because I didn't take the game too seriously. The game kind of plays like this version of Horrified, which we've played recently, or Arkham Horror, where you have a big entity that you're trying to achieve your goals and defeat. It, Evil Below, definitely relies on the idea that chance will always be there. Your actions are dictated by dice and a deck of cards that are shuffled. You could completely lose the game in like the first couple turns or get screwed because of the dice or, you know, Pennywise could not even be a threat at all if the dice are rolled. So it's it's a unique in that aspect. I, I could see why people may not like the heavily reliance on chance. Yeah, I agree. I, I did feel like the one strategy that could help in succeeding in the game is to hit him hard as fast as possible because really the longer you're playing the game the more likely it's all gonna fall apart and you're gonna lose the game is kind of designed to slowly creep up on you until you're unable to really defeat it because of that deck aspect where every time you empower pennywise he gets another card in the deck that you have to go into to fight him and so as that deck gets more and more of his cards and less and less of your cards it eventually reaches a point where you just can't do any more damage to pennywise and the game is over Mm -hmm. i i I definitely agree with the chance here when we played this all together the second time for tyler and i I agree, like, the strategy here is you do want to try to hit him hard and fast, because, I mean, we did have a little bit of luck in some of the dice we were rolling, but Pennywise was, I don't know, not even on our radar for the first half of the game. Uh, He wasn't really doing much of anything. We were achieving all of our goals pretty quickly. It wasn't until the game started to drag out and get near the, I'd say, the later half or even the last quarter, when it became a lot more difficult to get rid of those attack cards that are getting placed into our deck. It's almost like there was just a steady flow of those slowly increasing into that deck, and it just became a lot more difficult to try to achieve any of these goals to get near the end. So again, a little bit of that is chance. You could roll perfectly fine in that later half and have no issues, but at least for us, it did feel like he was just slowly creeping up on us, but super easy at the beginning. I could see the game being harder the more people you put in, only because yeah, every turn there is a chance that you could roll the balloons on your die, which uh, indicate that Pennywise is going to start gaining in power. With just a few people, it didn't feel as much of an issue. I would say, ultimately, because I didn't take it too seriously, I didn't really have a problem with it. It was kind of a fun pusher luck, like, oh, am I going to be able to defeat him? Is this going to work? I didn't really feel like it caused too much of an issue, but I think it's ultimately because I, I wasn't thinking too hard about trying to defeat Pennywise. It was kind of fun to see what my dice would be to dictate what my actions were going to be. I didn't have to be too open-ended with my thoughts and really plan out. It's right there. I have to read my dice and determine what actions I'm going to do. And most times it's pretty predicated on what objective we needed to fulfill at that time. So the dice kind of tell me that and I don't have to think too hard. So that's kind of nice from a more introductory 
gamer perspective. I agree. I, I think this game is very easy to get into. Even though we didn't win the game that I played, I still had a great time and I didn't really feel cheated by the game. I, I felt like, you know, if I strategized a little more, it would have been winnable. Um, and I just had a good time. I felt like it was very easy to get into the game. There wasn't anything that was confusing or complicated about it. So I think it's a, it's a good game to play with people who are more casual when it comes to board games. Yeah, that's what I was going to touch on as well is it's just kind of simple overall. There's not a lot of confusion in regards to the rules or how to play. I know we had to double check maybe one or two things because it was kind of our first, second time playing, but it, it feels like for people who don't play board games very much, it's can be a little difficult, but it just, it's, it's so easy to understand <laughs> coming from the previous game we had reviewed horrified. Uh, it just, it felt like a lighter version of even that. And I kind of like that just cause like Tyler was saying, it's, you're not taking it too seriously. You're just having a little fun with it and, you know, essentially pushing your luck to see how far or risky you want to play the game. And I just liked how simple it was. It just is easily accessible. So one thing that we were touching on is that it doesn't really take a turn. It is completely... Relying on your dice roll on your turn. Right. So ultimately, you could have a really easy or a hard game based upon what you roll and... This kind of randomness essentially adds up, and I would say the idea that every time you're taking a roll, you have the ability to make it more powerful kind of amps up the tension of that and makes it fun to see what your roll will be, or even frustrating if it's always a bad roll. Mm -hmm. But the turns themselves, while they're very simple and easy to understand, and you could teach this, you could pull this out, and anyone who understands it will get the game, and it won't take long for you to teach them, and I think that's really a positive for the game. But as far as someone who plays a lot of board games and someone who enjoys a strategic element, wouldn't you argue that this game's turns every time are very simple? Because your turns are completely reliance on what you roll as far as what actions you can take there really isn't too much thought to it and while you can plan out your turns effectively and maybe take a risk on the best decision at that given time for what could work in the long run it's a little repetitive ultimately you're just deciding if you're going to fight it that turn with the cards and do a push your luck and reveal certain ones but it is the same amount of dice you're rolling every time nothing changes about that and it is going to be just a roundabout way of just the same turns every time nothing truly changes about the game as time goes on besides it getting stronger there is no break there is no epiphany there is no climax it's decided just basically a lot by what dice you roll or what cards you draw yeah i think I, that's yeah, i was just gonna say i I agree with that. I, I was talking about, you know, being able to strategize earlier, but you can only strategize so much because the game is so dependent on those dice. They decide everything you do. And so if you have really bad luck and you roll like seven balloons in the first turn, the game could be over in a matter of minutes because most of the time we were rolling, we only got one or two balloons, if any. And even then, Pennywise gets stronger 
pretty quickly. And so it's very luck dependent and strategy only goes so far in this game. And correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm thinking too hard into this or if maybe I truly haven't played this game enough, but some of the Losers Club, their powers, which are individual and you you only get to pick one, and depending on how many players, some Losers Club aren't even involved in the game. Each power is different, but it, they definitely were. There was a, a disconnect between the strength of their powers. I remember getting Eddie one game and he had a game a power that rang true and was effective the entire game. However, I remember Cole picking Bill, which is like the main Losers Club character, and his power was very underwhelming and it barely made a difference and it felt so situational. And I don't really know if they people who designed the game really thought about that, like how impactful some of these powers would be. I remember I also played Mike and his power felt good, but it required a lot of setup. And Eddie's didn't require much setup at all. The ability to give what Eddie's power it was to give two cards towards it. It didn't even distinguish if the cards... Well, you give two cards to your deck, which is used to fight it that you've collected around the board. It didn't distinguish if these cards had to match the color that they belonged to, like every other Losers Club member. And so as long as you were in the same location as it, you got to give two cards of your hand. Keep in mind, you can only have three cards in your hand, and the rest of the time, in order to add a card to the deck, which is used to fight it, it had to match the color that you were uh, visiting, which means you have to go to that specific space in the board. I felt like that was leagues beyond and more powerful than any other power that I came across. Yeah, I actually, I actually have their cards up because I was going to use them as an example of maybe one of the slight flaws with the game is, you know, I don't want to repeat you, but yeah, it's essentially Eddie. Eddie's character can just give two cards automatically into the, the deck you're trying to build to achieve your goals for free as long as he's on a space with it versus Mike, who has a somewhat similar ability where you can use a card when you fight Pennywise and just count it as like a revealed card. But you have to fight Pennywise and it's only one card. It just seems like Eddie's is just so much easier to achieve and it gives you more volume for the deck. Uh, mm -hmm. So I agree. Like it just seems like, well, why do they have similar abilities and one is just so much better than the other one? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I felt like Bill's ability, can't remember what it was, but I remember thinking that it was almost impossible to use it based on the requirements, whereas I had Bev, and her ability was very easy to use. Basically, as long as I was on the same tile as someone else at the beginning of my turn, we could both heal a point of damage on our character. So because I was playing Bev, there was really never a time where we had to worry about taking too much damage from Pennywise because that ability basically kept everyone at full health throughout the entire game. No, I, I remember the first time Tyler and I played, even though we had to adjust some of the stuff we did for the second game, truly, I mean, you can attest to this, Tyler, or, you know, disagree or anything, but it felt like the first time we played, even then, without Bev, didn't feel like Pennywise was ever really that close to killing us. No, it 
while Pennywise is constantly doing damage, it's also once again bent upon the dice that you're rolling. So in order to lose health, you have to be in a location where the dice that you roll or you get attacked and it dictates that you have to lose your health. But Bev has a passive ability, so it's consistent throughout the whole game and benefits everyone. Some of the characters have situational abilities and that you have to set up. So it's kind of like, oh, well, that's not going to happen unless the cards are in my favor or like that. One of the characters also gets an unlimited hand size, which sounds great on paper and that you can get a bunch of cards. But I remember constantly there were consequences to fighting Pennywise that let you lose these cards. So therefore, that wouldn't really be a big advantage. As well as you're constantly wanting to give up your cards, you don't want to keep them a bunch in your hand. By keeping a bunch of cards in your hand, it shows that you're not actually having much agency or taking much action to set up to defeat Pennywise. You want to get rid of those cards as big fast as possible. So having a bunch of cards in your hand was never ideal. I, I briefly want to touch back on uh, what you guys were discussing about Bill when we all played together. I feel like Bill is a, just a slight example of just the the luck and the randomness. His ability is essentially if you roll any of those balloon dice can affect the space and remove these balloon tokens. Um, and it reveals a uh, victim or an adopted child. Bill's ability would a activate as long as you have two cards or less. Essentially in our game, because of luck, was never really on any of those spaces. So I never really got to use his ability maybe beyond once or twice total. But I just think that kind of touches back on there's a lot of luck in terms of the dice rolls and what you're getting. Briefly, just to touch on the dice themselves, you're always rolling seven dice. And there's a one in six chance per dice that you're going to ro roll a balloon. Uh, the, all the other ones are just actions that you can take on your turn. So, you know, odd-wise, it doesn't seem like a lot, but at least in our later game, later on, it did seem like we were rolling more and more balloons, but that's just because luck. Yeah, I'm sure that's perception. The game, when you fight Pennywise, you draw cards to achieve little mini goals, which there's three goals up at any given time, and they vary in reward and difficulty so it can be a really easy reward such as reveal two totems or cards of the same place or it can be hard like reveal five different totems of different places and it did feel like the most the hardest one which gives you the biggest jump in your strength in order to defeat pennywise was constantly very hard you want to push your luck and i get that aspect kind of like a betting game you want you want to try and reveal as many cards as you can but you you know you want to be careful and there's a risk if you want to reveal the next card but it, it did really feel like that that last ability which only gets you three spaces up on the strength track was very hard to achieve especially with pushing your luck mm -hmm. did you did you feel like that or am i just like thinking um, too much no i would agree overall i think those honestly like thinking back on it I think those super hard ones, the ones that are like level three, the highest difficulty, are the ones that you should be going for at the beginning because then there's a lot less risk of Pennywise having those attack cards in the deck. So they're a little more achievable. As we kind of experienced in the later end of our game, there was a lot of attack cards that had gotten placed into there and that just feels like a natural progression of the game. And this, again, may just be because of luck, but there was two attack cards that we had in there that would lower the loser track that you had been slowly chipping away at over the game and by the end of the game when we did eventually lose we had digressed 
you know, even halfway back down to where we had originally almost won. So again, that may be luck, but um, those three difficulty ones just seem like, yes, focus on them at the beginning. And then they're probably going to be very dif difficult to achieve near the end of the game. I still didn't feel like the game was balanced too heavily against us. I mean, it's very luck balanced, but even though we lost at the end, I didn't feel like, ah, that was unfair. You know, I felt like the the dice could just as easily have made the game super easy as made it super difficult. And I think our game kind of fell somewhere in the middle. And like you said, we almost beat the game uh, before it kind of overcame us. And so for me, I felt like the big takeaway was just like needing to move faster, find ways to attack him more quickly at the beginning of the game, because there's a tipping point somewhere in the middle of the game where it, it all goes downhill and you'll eventually just not have a chance of defeating him. Yeah. Ultimately, you can reduce Pennywise's power by taking one of your actions, which is to save the victims and take a token off of his uh, meter, which is where he gets his power from. So it's like you have some agency to setting back Pennywise's power. So it's kind of a balance between taking cards to attack Pennywise and saving yourself from defeat by saving these victims. So I agree there is there is some decision making and the game didn't feel naturally like it was completely weighted against us. I just feel like one thing that I would have liked personally from the game is that Pennywise gets a little more uniqueness as far as a villain. While there is, you know, the game doesn't feel totally weighted against you. His attack cards are a little predictable. You know, they're just variations of losing health, adding attack cards, or taking away totems. There's not really a lot of fun variety to the cards that are used against you and Pennywise just moves to an area of the map and attacks someone based on the balloons you roll so it's kind of like I, I would have liked a little more fun elements to the game that changed it up based on maybe what attack cards you drew because they vary in strength but that's about it yeah I I think even though the game is like very simple and I, I kind of like this because going into it I'm not going to take it super seriously and not be as upset that there's since I'm not strategizing that much it's not like I feel like it's a failing on my part or necessarily a failing on the game just because I, I have a, a different expectation and I, I do agree with you though Tyler in terms of it itself just because he doesn't feel necessarily like a monstrosity or this this all being all powerful villain just because he only does stuff on your turn and doesn't feel like it's his own separate entity it just feels like a just a part of the game that's trying to slow you down or prevent you from winning instead of just like it who focuses on exploiting your fears and is this separate being who's from space <laughs> things like that so like i just wish that yeah there's a little more variety uh, for who it was and how it impacted the game. That's very true. I didn't ever fear... I don't know. It didn't really feel like we were playing against it. It felt like we were playing against the board because, because it doesn't have its own turn. It was kind of like... It was just always dependent on what we did as to whether we would win or lose. And so, yeah, I think they could have done something a little more creative with the Pennywise character by... By giving that token something more to do than just uh, react to what we were doing. Yeah, it, it would have been cool if it was like a villain that's not reacting, but m making their own decisions, making their own plays, 
but yeah, I mean, uh, for what the game is, for how simple it is, I think it, I think it works. Well, you'll float too. <laughs> Welcome back, and we'll go into our <laughs> final thoughts. What the fuck is that voice? <laughs> Maybe I'll just leave that in there. Oh my. <laughs> well, <laughs> wow, guys, let's go into our final thoughts. <laughs> okay, Georgie. <laughs> y'all float too. Y'all float too. Well, who wants to go first? <laughs> At me from this death. I'll go first. I pretty much enjoyed this game. Um, I think it'd be fun to play every once in a while. I don't think it's the kind of game you would be playing every single game night, but I think it's easy enough for casual people to get into, which is always a plus, and enjoyable, even though it's somewhat luck-based. So um, if I had to give it a rating, I would say a six. I think the game is successful in what it's trying to do. It didn't really take a lot of thought to it. I think it's uh, got a cute aesthetic to it and is very reminiscent of the movie. So if you like the movie, I feel like you'll like the game. It goes pretty hand in hand. It doesn't really take a lot of thought to play the game. And so, yeah, it's a fun game to pull out every once in a while. If you have some friends over and you want a casual game, I could see this even being turned into a party game if you wanted to or around Halloween. So yeah, I, th I think from what it is, which isn't trying to be the next great Arkham Horror, it's nice. So the randomness really hurts it in a way. And I think it's just so easy to throw in dice and cards to make a mechanics of the game. So I don't really feel like that takes a lot of planning to design that aspect. And I think that's a little flaw of it. But I would still say I had an enjoyable experience, never knowing what was around the corner, knowing what card would be drawn or what die I would roll. So that kind of brought a unique little element of tension. And so for that reason, I would give it a seven. All right. Uh, essentially, for the most part, I agree with you guys. <laughs> it does have that randomness, which sometimes can be a flaw, can be a blessing. I think because of that, it takes some of the deep, thought strategy and from like a Arkham Horror, even a lighter version of Horrified. I like that just because it makes the game simple. And as we all kind of agreed, it would it would be easy to introduce to other people who maybe don't play horror ga uh, board games in general all that often. And I, I didn't mention this earlier, but as a nice little plus for what you get with this game, brand new, it's, it's only $30. So I feel like it's not a huge investment in terms of what typical board games cost. Aesthetically, it's pleasing. Overall, I did enjoy my experience with this game. I would bring it out every board game night. I agree with that as well, but it's it's just a very easy game to pick up or like if you can't think of another board game to play and you don't want to think I'll do that much, this would be a game or a fun game to pull out. Uh, so I would also give it a 7 out of 10 overall. I'm glad that we we're able to discuss this game today. I'm glad I got to do my uh, my best it impressions. So, I'm, you know, that's a blessing for all. <laughs> <laughs> we are truly blessed. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, I do want to thank everybody for joining us today. And um, this is Monster Seeking Maple with Tyler, Cole, and Josh. <laughs> so feel free to join us next week where we'll discuss another horror board game and give our thoughts. So thank you so much. <laughs>